As a Mormon fundamentalist who believes that we need to let our light shine as a people, I always love to see when others get out front and start projects that look to make the life richer of other fundamentalists. Today I have a couple of men on the podcast that seek to do just that. Greg Knight and Chad Hyde come on to talk about an ambitious plan to have a periodical both digitally and in print. During our conversation, we cover each of their journey into Mormon fundamentalism, what was the motivation behind their plan for a Mormon fundamentalist magazine, and what kind of content that magazine will have. Finally, we wrap up with what their ultimate hope and goal is for the magazine. That's next on this episode of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Look, it's no secret that our society has become much more crude and coarse. To become and raise men and women of virtue and character is a Herculean task. To help with this, I have recently wrote and published a book. Now, back in the 1700s, Washington had a book called Rules of Civility and Decent Behavior in Company and Conversation. It was a book with 110 rules that talked about how to conduct yourself like a civilized person in society, something that today's society is sorely lacking. What I did is I went back through the book and I reinterpreted his original sayings for the 21st century. So the book is laid out in a way in which you see Washington's original rule. Right below that is my explanation for the 21st century. And below that, you'll find two or three examples of where to use this in the real world. Now, to go along with this, there's a workbook that helps parents teach these principles and practices to their kids. To find the book, go to mormonrenegade.com, go to the bottom of the page, Search out the blog post and order your copy today. I can bear personal testimony from personal experience that this is an invaluable tool to help you raise men and women of virtue and character. How you doing? I'm really good. Really good. Nice. 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 Everything going smooth. No hiccups, issues, anything like that. Just moving forward. I mean, nice. uh, life life is smooth. The doctrine is true. And uh, the Lord's watching over all of us. Amen. Hey, uh, and now we have Greg. Greg, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. Uh as uh, as Chad said, you know, we're moving forward with this plan, and uh, it feels good. It's a nice. it's a it's a it's a bright future that uh, that we have hopefully in store for this message to get out. Nice, nice. No, when you, when you guys told me about the plan that you guys had, I was I was super stoked with it. Um, I feel like the more voices we can get out there in fundamentalism, the better off we are. Um, I think it's it's super important that people understand that that. Kind of unlike the LDS Church, this is not a monolith, right? There's there's a few different expressions of of Mormon fundamentalism, and and I feel like it's important to not just explore those, but the personalities that that come along with it. Um, I think there's often a common misconception that we all live in Colorado City and we all make our wives wear those weird dresses, but uh, that's definitely not the case. So I'm I'm thankful you guys are here. Um, 
as always, I just want to get a little bit of background on you guys. So let's let's start with with Greg. Now, were sure. you were you raised a fundamentalist, or how'd you no. wind up here? No, I was raised in the mainstream church. Uh, was baptized and uh, attended church three or four days a week. I was doing something with church, you know, uh, all the way up until I was about fourteen. And uh, when I was 14, uh, something happened in my life personally that just shook my faith. And, uh, you know, I left and I ended up really feeling like, well, first of all, I, I, I had disgust for the church and I, I felt like I might have hated God for a while. And uh, I, I was totally out of the church up until about my 30s, at which time I thought maybe about reinvestigating it. And I kept getting a bad feeling. It just something didn't feel right. And then one day, uh, there was this amazing bookstore in a town called Susanville, California. And I walked in and I found a couple of books by Ogden Kraut on the topic of uh, what I soon found out was fundamentalism. Um, number one was Adam God, and the second was Jesus was married. And my reading there began a pursuit over the last 20 years of more knowledge, deeper knowledge, and uh, Finally, about, I'd say, a year to two years ago, I finally committed to, to this lifestyle, to this belief, to this study, uh, and uh, it's something that I want, and it's something that I'm seeking out. And then, so that's, that's kind of where it took me. It took 20 years to get there, but uh, I feel like I'm kind of arriving at the place where I'm supposed to be. That's awesome. So was, was there ever a moment, and, and Chad, think about this a little bit, because I'm going to ask you the same question after I, I talk to you. Was there a moment? at which you were like, oh, crap, I'm a fundamentalist, right? Because I know I had my moment where I was like, well, I, I guess I am what I am. W was there that moment of realization for you? Yeah, you but it wasn't all, it wasn't all crap. It was all right. I was, uh, it was actually, it was actually a couple of days ago when I was, I had, uh, I have had written some stuff in advance of this discussion just for my own notes. And I was thinking about this and I'm like, you know, I, I have I have no rock to hide under. I don't want to hide my light under a bushel. I'm I'm happy that this is where I'm at now. Um, and you know, yeah, it was an all right. It wasn't an all crap. So you know, I, I an all crap in terms of maybe a uh, being a little facetious, but no, I'm 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 happy with the the knowledge of where I'm going. You're a better man than I am because look, <laughs> but see, I thought I thought Mormonism all the way through, right? Like, I remember when I figured out that this whole Book of Mormon thing was true. And I just remember after I stood up from that prayer and just kind of sat down on the rock next to the fire I had. And I was like, I don't want to be a Mormon. They're weird. Right. And then little did I know, 20 some years later, I would be really Mormon. But uh, yeah, no, for, for me, it was all the way through. I was somewhat reluctant and and. uh didn't want to do it so chad how about you were you raised in the church as well my story is a little bit kind of uh it's an inverted story because i didn't come to what you called lds fundamentalism in other words like the flds or uh christ church the branch aub those i didn't come to them until quite recently but i've been a fundamentalist for about 15 years mm -hmm. let me explain a little bit so that you understand when I was a freshman in college, I went to a church school. Um, I was, I am baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ and of Latter-day Saints. And I, um, I had a problem 
at that point. I understood all the doctrines. I'd been through McConkie's Mormon doctrine, even his early 60s and, and that. And none of that really shocked me, but I didn't understand polygamy. And for me, it was a devotion to mother kind of thing. You know, it's like, well, what about mom's feelings? What about mom's needs? What about, you know, or what about wife's needs or the female's needs? And so in the, in protest, I went to a religion teacher and I really started laying it down about why, why, why? And it required this LDS mainstream teacher to adopt a different stance. And he adopted an apologetics stance, but he was really strong about it. He said, and he basically said, he goes, we do not practice this, but the, the prophet Joseph Smith and others were commanded to do this. And it was after an order of the order of heaven. And he was strong about it, which, uh, and this was quite some time ago. So I spent um, a few years studying and I became very acutely aware over time that, that there were changes made that couldn't rightly be termed. You can't unreveal a revelation. And I know you're on board with this, but for somebody in the mainstream church, this is quite, there was a time probably in your life where that was a perplexing issue. It's like you say, oh no, it's revelation. And then you look at the facts and they say, but are they unrevealing or taking away the revelation or are they adding to it? And so through time, I would say to about 15, maybe 16, 17 years ago, I started adopting stances in my personal life where I just did what you did at the campfire with uh, with on the rock. I said, I said, this stuff is true and I'm not going to skirt a future potential relationship with either Joseph or any of the other brethren by either mocking, ridiculing it or disparaging it. And then you go into the, the studies on on um, on Wilford Woodruff and the rest of it. We won't I won't cumber us up with the time, but. The irony of this is I adopted about 90% of what's called fundamentalist fullness of the gospel um, doctrines about within the last 15 to 12, maybe 10 years. And I sat down, I'm, I've lived all over, and I live in what you would call proverbially the, uh, the mission field, um, although I have a close affinity connection and I do visit Utah, I never once thought about approaching any uh, any polygamous ever I, I just didn't even cross my mind i thought of it like the amish which was odd because i've been a lifelong member and so i thought to myself i'm gonna have to redo this i'm gonna have to use my ironic priesthood and have angels visit me and we're just gonna have to figure out how to do this in a way where i can i can receive some keys and just start doing this and it was very naive it, maybe not naive but that was the tact i took and so being a gospel doctrine type person, I just finally came around to it. And about goodness, has it been a year? I've, I've reached out little over a year. I've reached out to, um, to LDS, um, what you call fundamentalists, or I call them covenant members of the church. So as not to confuse, because it's wider than just the FLDS, it's the AUB, it's, it's yourselves, it's the independents. Um, and I reached out to them and I realized that they've resolved a lot of the questions I've had. And I just kind of kicked myself in the room for not, um, not pursuing that a little earlier, but it was something that didn't come to me. So it, I, I came about it after 15, 20 years sideways and um, never had to get down on my knees and ask angels to come lay their hands on me. So as naive as that sounds. 
No, I don't think it sounds naive at all. I mean, look, when when I first jumped into this thing, right, um, and, and my story is a little different in the sense that I was a member of the church, and then I was practicing plural marriage while going to the LDS church, holding callings, all those other things. That marriage fell apart. The church never found us out. So I went back to the LDS church thinking I could just stuff it into a box and forget all about it. And then back out again when I just couldn't stand, you know, it, it was well, it was well-intentioned and no one did it knowingly. But when you hear stuff that you know is patently false and you sit in the pews and you try to digest it, it just doesn't sit well. It gives right. me a worse case of heartburn than the spiciest Buffalo wings out there. And so <laughs> at some point I had to be like, look, I, I gotta, I gotta be true to who I am. But but I, I do know that feeling, right? Because the 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 first go round with this, so to speak, it was just us, right? I mean, this was twenty, got into it in twenty in in two thousand seven. It it lasted until about 2012, 2013, I guess. But in that time, it was just us, really, right? I mean, there was no one I could go to, and so that that thing where you say it's naive, I don't think it's naive. And and to be honest with you, Chad, at some point you're going to look back, and you're going to realize that uh, that that's some of your best time because it was just you and God in those days, right? It was just you sorting stuff out, and there's a certain power to be had in that for sure. Thank you for that. Thank you. I doctrinally, I've been on board with nearly everything you say for at least 15 years. So I became a fundamentalist 15 years ago. And that that walk, that leap, um, I am a what you would refer to as an independent um, as far as, you know, receiving my baptisms and my and those types of things. So, I mean, I am. So you one one needn't fear i am a i am a fundamentalist or a covenant lds member i'm a joseph smith mormon gotcha gotcha so with that i i think what's interesting now and what i want to explore and i was totally stoked when when i heard the idea uh from you and greg about this was the idea that of, of kind of like a you guys are planning on quarterly at first, right? Is that correct? A quarterly magazine? So, David, what we're doing right now is essentially the fundamentals. It's currently a blog, but we do have the aspiration within the next year or two to become both a, a bona fide website and a quarterly with the idea of doing monthly as a magazine in print form. And uh, it's intended basically as an open dialogue between Mormon fundamentalists, whether it's a church, a group, or an independent, uh, as a means to bring believers together in the restoration. So yeah, so if it, it, we, we have the big dream of doing the quarterly beginning in the next year or two, so once every three months, but we really want this to become a monthly, if, if God willing. Okay, so a, a couple of things here, right? So whether it's a, a you know, a, a web page or whether it's it's going to be you know a hard print magazine what what do you see going into that right um what what kind of content are you going to put in there so if i can i'll jump in okay <clears throat> when uh when greg and i um we we've re we've met recently but when we really started discussing this my feeling when i approached him um was this 
that a magazine was necessary in the fundamentalist or the, the covenant LDS um, or Mormon movement that I believe needed to look something like, let's say the ensign meets, um, have you ever, have you ever heard of the, um, the magazine grit? It's kind of a, a conservative version of the mother earth news. It's like the homesteader version of that. Okay. The magazine that's like the mother earth news, but it's geared towards homesteaders, a little bit more conservative crowd rather than, you know, the, the left, but the long and the short is if the enzyme meets grit magazine, the homesteader magazine, um, my thought was to, to make available to people the ability to not only share testimonies as to doctrine uh, that are pretty much mutual. Um, if we do have disagreements to keep it civil, most of our disagreements are over one man or keys, things like that. There are some doctrinal issues, you know, and, and small tenets like chocolate and things like that. But, um, to keep those civil, but to proffer an, not an expose, but a say, hey, look, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. This is how it's okay. It's safe now. This isn't anything strange or weird or stigmatized. This is this is how and, and do it in a respectful kind of way. So say we approach some of the other groups, um, say we approach the Kingstons and we and we offer up and ask them we, we we give them the questions we offer it we take the pictures with their consent we bring them and have them speak their their voice into the magazine or let's say with yourself the christ church the branch or if you know willing the aub or some of the other you know other groups we were you know there are groups up in canada uh, winston blackmore uh just just wonderful people you know that have succeeded, I think, to a to a very large degree, in the um, in the beliefs and doctrines that we all espouse. So there's so much to show, and one of the main things, from my perspective, I don't know about Greg, he can answer for himself, is there's a burgeoning mainstream fundamentalism. There's a desire. There's you, uh, in 20, 2006. There's myself. There's other people that know something's off, something's wrong, that want to live this but don't want to remove themselves from the friendships that naturally occur when they, when they find out we're one of those polygamous groups, you know? So that's the hope. It's a, it's a magazine quarterly. It'll be doctrinal in, in intent and it hopes to invite in all the, all of the um, groups if they're willing. So let, let me ask you this um, first First to Greg, because you said something that I that I found kind of interesting, and I want to probe this here a little bit. And then I got something for you, Chad, as well. You said it was a magazine with the with within hopes of being an open dialogue. Can you explain that? Absolutely. Um, I believe as fundamentalists that we have more in common than we have distinctions. Um, and in Utah, in Nevada many more gathering places across North America. You know, the term Mormon fundamentalism has a stigma. It's had it attached to it for decades, if not longer. And what I would hope for, and I, I believe Chad is on board with this, is we want to help remove that stigma and help fellow travelers as well as non-believers understand each other. Um, that's a point we really want to drive home. We've got more in common than we have distinctions. And one of the best parts of this life is the agency that we have to believe the truth or disregard it. And I believe that living that agency is one of the best aspects of life, just like obedience 
to him that reigns is of the utmost importance. So it's up to each of us to, you know, share what we know and share what we believe in as a way of gaining ultimate salvation and hopefully exaltation. And, uh, you know, I can say it like this. It's kind of a cool little story I like to tell people. But basically, I look – I'll tell you what I did. I heard it from a wise man once. He told me the restoration is like a pane of glass. And right now, that pane of glass is shattered into just pieces. It's everywhere. It's been like that for decades. And the fundamentalist movement, he told me, is really the only way that those pieces of the restoration are going to get put back together in a whole. And to do that, we have to talk to each other. That's what I believe. Awesome. All right, Chad, a couple for you. You used this term a couple of times, a covenant LDS person. What do you mean by that? I look at our religion as an offshoot. It, It was a natural it had to happen, and for a lot of reasons, not just because Nephi predicted and, and all the prophets predicted it, or the sa- even more than the Savior wanted it back on earth. There were primordial or primitive covenants that were on the earth that were lost. When we say things like apostasy, a lot of us think of like really scary Gothic churches. Well, there was a time pre-Goth when those assemblages had covenants, and those things went away. Now, when we look at our own mainstream, our mother church, as it's called occasionally, they've moved away since the 1890s and and throughout from a lot of basic doctrines, of basic practices and alterations in, um, let's say, temple ordinances and covenants away from that. And that blurs distinctions. It declarifies. And there's a lot that's lost. If you walk up to a mainstreamer and say, what exactly does Heavenly Father look and act like? They just look at you blankly and say, I love my Savior, Jesus Christ, and I want to return to my Heavenly Father. And as, and as beautiful and gentle as that is, it's not enough. Because the scriptures say, this is life eternal, to know thee, the only wise and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So you walk up to a, a fundamentalist or a covenanter that keeps the covenants, that keep it clean and keep it and keep it pure. They'll say... It is, Michael, and the highest hope is to become, through the Savior's atonement, sufficient, raised up to be clean enough to live the fullness of celestial law, which is, as we know, plural celestial marriage, the Council of Fifty, the Kingdom of God, and and also um, the law of consecration. But what is our hope? We want to be just like our Father Michael, our Heavenly Father, the only God with which we have to do. So how do I define Father in Heaven? I look at first man. I look at that relationship that he had with his uh, his first man, his God, his father, and his savior, Jehovah. And I say, I, even as I went through the temple, I always knew it says, you and all of you must place yourself as Adam at the altar. And I remember that in the mainstream church years, decades ago, just saying, our highest hope is to be Adam. And then they say things like kings and priests, and it's just it just resonates. So the notion of being able to fully develop the concept of our Father in Heaven into a real and tangible thing, that requires covenants that stay clean. So when I say covenant Mormon, I'm looking at a group, not just one, but groups of people that look at each other and say, they'll say these beautiful things. I want to be a Mormon like Joseph Smith was. And that's so that's just such a, a tender, beautiful thing. But what we're really saying is we're saying there are covenants that Joseph 
elucidated for us, were given by angels and even by Father and Jesus himself. And those covenants will lead us to the practicality of becoming a Michael and uh, creating and seeding worlds. And I know that's probably pretty heavy. Most of the people that are listening are going to understand, or some of them, our fundamentalists are going to understand. If there's mainstream, even mainstream fundamentalists, I would ask you, David, that's our highest hope, isn't it? With our wives. Absolutely. Worlds yeah. and having each other. That's, that's, that's our goal. Our religion and our virtue is geared towards that. You can't get it in the mainstream church. You can only get it through pureness of covenant. So that's why I use that. Okay. All right. And so, and let me say this along with that, right? Not only, and this was something I discovered once I became a fundamentalist, is that a lot of what Joseph Smith taught was, and it all boiled down to, look, I had my experience with deity and you can too. And call me simplistic, but I kind of took Joseph at his word on that, right? Where, where those teachings lead up to this, this idea of you can have an experience with, with deity or, or the divine, uh, maybe not face-to-face, but certainly you should be having, in my opinion, as, as a Mormon, one of the things that, that I found extremely engaging was this thought of, well, I can talk to God, and not only can I talk to him, but he's, he's willing to talk to me in, in a couple different ways. Um, and so I, I look at Mormonism, I'm thinking if you don't have those encounters with the divine, um, somewhat regularly, right? I'm not saying every week on Tuesday and you go play racquetball with the big JC, <laughs> but you right. know, you, you, you experience inspiration and revelation and, um, learning new things all the time. I feel like in my opinion, you're not doing Mormonism right and there was a space of time there, about 10 years of me being in the church, where it started out that way, but then it just kind of gradually waned, right? And and I thought, okay, it's something with me. I, I've got, and, and not that there wasn't something wrong with me, I, I've constantly got to repent, but um, I thought it was all me, all the time, right? And so I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I get those experiences anymore? And it was only until I embraced all the covenants. I embraced all that knowledge that that was piled up in not just the scriptures, but journal of discourses and those types of things. That that revelation and that inspiration and those encounters with the divine really started again. So I think it's more uh, not not only is that our highest goal those those eternal uh, blessings and and being called up and crowned at some point, but also this idea of in the day to day, we should be, we should be having those experiences of, of encountering the divine pretty regularly, or else we're not really cashing in all the chips that we could in this, this Mormon theology. What a perfect, perfect segue. I, um, I, I agree with you. And not only do I agree with you on the blog, the fundamentalist um, magazine or the fundamentalist mag blog site, I just wrote a, um, an article about prayer circles and how it's the very pinnacle of our religion on this earth, being that it is communication with the divine. Its highest hopes is to bring divinity and the very highest, like Joseph, to bring our Father and the Savior down physically to us, that we can pray in our families, temple-covenanted families, and have those visual, physical experiences. Now, to be sure, we've all been in prayer circles, and we've felt inspiration. Maybe some of us have seen 
angels and ministering spirits, but the highest hope is our prayer circles. If we live a terrestrial life in this celestial world and we get celestial visitors, if we're entitled to that, I truly believe that's in the, in the, what we call the true order of prayer. And Absolutely. so we do, we do get to have that if we're righteous and it's not just some smoke screen or play. It's not something quaint that we do. That is our highest hopes. And as fundamentalist or covenant LDS or covenant Mormons, we know these things are true. We've, we've read and had experiences. We've heard testimonies and believe those testimonies that those things did happen, not just with Joseph Smith or Brigham Young or John Taylor in that beautiful, wonderful, sublime 1886 revelation, but ourselves, yourself, your family. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with you 100%. So real quick, what was the genesis uh, of the idea? I mean, look, I, I can tell you my own experience with a podcast. It comes out of just me thinking about my journey, how I got to the point of being a fundamentalist. What was it? What was the catalyst for this idea with you two guys? I think that I kind of, well, I've been a journalist for, gosh, almost 20 years. So I just love to write, and I love to write passionately about things. About For most of my career, it's been about sports or government, which, you know, I can be passionate for as long as you pay me. But in terms of this, you don't have to pay me a dime to write about this. And again, I'm a believer in communication. And so I pitched the idea to Chad and, you know, I look at Chad as the theologian. I am, I am, he's far deeper of a theologian than I am. And so I trust in his uh, ability to recall scripture and guide me in the right directions. And I, I, I can take what I do as a writer and journalist and then try to build a community. And it's just, it's a concept. It, it came to me one day. It was out of the blue. I, I don't know if it was angels ministering to me or what. But the idea just came about a year and a half ago, and I talked to Chad, and I'm like, what do you think about this? And it's been growing ever since. And about, I'd say two months ago, I finally ordered up the, the blog space and started laying it out and creating it. And we've been adding uh, pieces of our own writing to it since it began. But that's how it's, it's starting as a blog. I want to start online first because, you know, the world is online. I don't think the world's always going to be online. I'm, I'm a bit of a, a doomsday prepper in that manner. I don't think the World Wide Web will always be here. And so that's why I want the printed word. I come from a newspaper background. And so if I can put things that are, you know, the printed word into the hands of believers and those who've never heard of fundamentalism or covenant LDS, as Chad likes to um, describe them, I'm all for it. Get the word out. Gotcha. Chad, what was your thought when when uh, when Greg here pitched the idea? Hey, so I the, the idea came as I was reading um, several things from some of the I refer to um, down there, uh, down there between Arizona and Utah, those cities down there, the FLDS, it's really the, the cradle. Uh, when you get back to Musser, 90% of us draw our inspiration or priesthood lines through Musser, through, um, mm -hmm. through Lauren and John Woolley. And so when I was reading some of those older, um, I think it was called Truth, mm -hmm. um, the Truth uh, periodicals, yep. I approached Greg and Greg 
is light years. You should have seen some of the slicks that he put together, some of the um the 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 uh the contacts and prep paper. He has the ability because he has the the knowledge of this to put it in magazine style so that it looks almost architectural digest if he wants to. I mean, the, those kind of quality of print. I was looking for something more enzyme meets, like I said, uh, grit magazine homesteading. I was looking for not just doctrinal or even uh, not like interviews, getting to know people like yourself, um, Michael Peterson, um, you know, going out to some of the others up in Montana or even up to Winston Blackmore and, and having them say, Hey, here we are. This is what we, this is what we are. This is what we represent bringing a sense of community heaven for me. Um, it, it is a place cause it has to naturally be somewhere. Heaven for me is people. People is the heaven and heavenly father understood that Jesus understood that it was always posterity. It's the joy in the posterity and you need an earth. And you need an, a, a you need a, a heavenly abode, place closest to Kolob, however that looks. So the place is important, but the people are what's crucial. And as I looked around fundamentalist uh, covenant Mormon peoples, I saw not fracture so much as coming out of all of the uh, persecution over the last two decades. I mean, if you were starting in 06, you were you were looking at least at a felony for just cohabitation itself. That was in 06 when you were mainstream. Now it's not so bad. It's like, a, a, I think it's a misdemeanor if they even care. And the AG in Utah expressed no desire to, to have cops chasing people around. Exactly. So we're coming out of you guys want to hear something cool? Speaking of I the do. AG. Always. So when I was probably, I was probably five or six months into this thing. And I got this strange email once from a guy. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, it, it, the 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 last part of the email address was at utahag.gov, and I was like, "Come on, someone's I'm getting punked here." And so I uh, I thought, well, I'll just call this guy up because it had his number at the bottom and get to the bottom of this. There's actually people who listen to the podcast that work in the AG's office here in Utah, which. I thought was crazy. Right. And, and it, it seemed like, at least for me personally, I won't say for everyone else, cause I'm not that vain, but it seemed like a watershed moment for me where I was like, okay, we're all right. Right. We can come out of the shadows a little bit here. They're not right. looking to, to, to crack on us anymore. And so I thought that was kind of a cool experience. Um, the, the other thing that I'll say is that, just this past June, me and the girls were just sitting down watching TV and some stuff about Pride Month came out. And I remember I looked at the girls. I was like, you remember when the weirdest lifestyle was ours? And I, I just feel like we're in a different time now where we can be more open. We can be more transparent. And, and quite frankly, I think we have to be because we're in this phase now where if we don't tell our story, we're going to acquiesce to let somebody else tell that story. And they right. may not get it right. They may not have a desire to get it right. So it becomes incumbent upon us through things like you guys are doing to be able to tell our story and get that out there. So I, I commend you for that. Um, so David, I, I want to agree with you 100%. In fact, you uh, you mirrored something I just wrote last night, actually two days ago. And that is the, the title of the article is called Controlling the Mormon Fundamental Narrative. And it's exactly something I wrote about saying that, you know, for too long, 
the mainstream media and the LDS church have been in charge of defining the discussion on fundamentalism. And that's part of what we're trying to do is take that power back and become the bearers of truth as it is and not as others want it to be portrayed. Right. Well, and the other thing I'll say is you guys are doing something that is very Mormon, right? Um, Mormonism is unique in the sense that it comes about when a good portion of the, of society, I won't say most, but probably most, maybe 50-50, Mormonism comes about when literacy is skyrocketing through mankind. So if you look at, you know, things in the dark ages, you were reliant upon a priest to read the Bible to you and then give you the interpretation thereof. Um, and uh, the, the same with, with Methodism and, you know, most Protestantism. And not that they're not great religions. You know, I know a lot of people from a lot of different faith traditions, and they're great people. But Mormonism was unique that it came came about when most literacy was taking off, right? And what that did is that that gave Joseph Smith and, and other early leaders of the church the opportunity to do things like write the times and seasons, the millennial star, those things, right? And so Mormonism itself has a rich history of publication because of, of the time that it came forward. So I think you guys are right there on the uh, carrying on that tradition for sure. What, mm -hmm. As you look at trying to get this going here, uh, Greg, you talked about it as just being a blog right now. Um as far as content, I mean, let, let, let's try to narrow down the content a little bit more. You alluded to it somewhat, but it was pretty broad. So there'll be stuff on doctrinal issues, right? What, what other kinds of things is this magazine going to have in it? Well, you're right. There will be doctrinal. But I want, what, what Chad and I want to see is everything. We want testimonies. We want stories. We want um, photos. I mean, photo spreads we want everything uh this isn't one dimensional uh for the writing that chad and i do chad you'll find is is more of the doctrinaire he's very 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 versed in the doctrine and the scripture and so he writes that with verb he's very good at it i'm more of the the randy editorializing telling a funny story kind of writer but it all comes back to is it true is it is it what is, is it faith promoting? And I believe that it is um, in anything that Chad and I have done. Um, a good example, uh, I wrote a I wrote an article back on uh, October third called "Sorry, Bro, Wrong Church," and it was all about the experiences I've had in, when I lived in Utah and uh, actually even Nevada when people would find out that I had a Mormon background and. Uh, invariably it would be a man saying wait a minute so you've got like six wives right no 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 i don't but fundamentalists believe in mormonism plus five wives right i'm like no sorry bro wrong church and it's funny because i just want to break that stigma and i i feel that i can write about it in a very humanistic lived experience kind of way and so I think between Chad and myself, we have a very good uh, way of offsetting each other between the serious and the, the whimsical, but still being doctrinally sound. Right. And in terms of what we want to see, we want to see people that can do the same, whether it be uh, a church leader in any group or church. It could be an independent. I'd love to see a sister wife write about how 
she manages with her sister wives to cook a meal for 35 kids. I'd love to see that. And and photos to go with it if if they wanted to send that in. So it, it encompasses the whole breadth of the lifestyle and the lived experience as a fundamentalist is what I want to see. And I'm I'm pretty sure Chad agrees with that. You know, if I could just add in, there there is that. And in all aspects too, not just to not just to be exclusive in some of those, but, but you know, it's some of these people do run um little mini farms or homesteads. You know, just simple things like, you know, kids helping around with the chores and, you know, getting eggs for chickens, poetry. And there are those that do among us. There are those that wear prairie dresses and pull their hair up, you know, maybe a maybe an article now and again on how to make a really nice flowery prairie dress that might not interest, say, myself or Dave, you or your wives. You I know, look horrible in prairie. Yeah, I look horrible yeah, Well, you and I would, but I'm saying yeah. your wives, maybe yes, maybe no. But I mean. It, what is important here is the common the commonality of where we're coming from. And, you know, I I know about the problems and I'm well versed in the issues as far as the, the problems that came out of those towns. But that was the cradle. I, I have to go back to that. It, decades ago, that's where Musser was. That That's the cradle of our fundamentalist beliefs for 90 percent of us without discluding any of the others like Harmstons or the or the Kingstons or the others. You know, they they still have people down there. And so those types of things, just just good interest, happy interest stories. I would like to do interviews. I would like to interview yourself as probably a lightning rod for fundamentalism. I know that you have quite the following as far as it goes. I mean, just things like that. And we're going to be online. It's going to go to an online magazine type that will open up to all platforms, be it Apple, iPad, iPod you know, the um, Android services, and then there's going to be print for those that want it as well. So you can receive a magazine enzyme style in your mailbox. Right. And also, Dave, I want to add what it's not. And the fundamentalist is never going to act ever. And and Chad and I are in full agreement on this. It'll never act as a mouthpiece for any group or church or independent. And it doesn't matter if someone's a follower of the FLDS, the AUB, the Righteous Branch, um, Winston Blackmore's group, Second Order, anybody else. We want everybody to take part in the discussion. But what we're not going to do is ever allow submissions or even write submissions ever of our own that denigrate anybody else's faith or opinion. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by DeseretFlag.com. I've said this before and I really mean it. Mormonism isn't just a religion, it's a culture. As such, it has its own vernacular and practices, but also its own symbols. And those symbols become even more important and prominent when you look back into our history. Perhaps one of the most recognizable symbols of Mormonism is the Deseret flag. This is the flag that I use as cover art in this podcast. This was also used for a good chunk of time during the Pioneer era in Utah. Now, today we have people who want to replace the existing Utah flag with some other progressive monstrosity. Well, I think it's damn past time that we start pushing back here a little bit in Utah. Our friends at Defending Utah are here to help you with that. Now, if you go to DeseretFlag.com, you can now purchase your own Deseret State flag. It's time here that we start making ourselves known and join the resistance against those who seek to rewrite our state's history. Go to DeseretFlag.com or check out the link in this episode's page show notes and get yours today. Can't get enough of the Mormon Renegade podcast? Well, good news. We're on Patreon and there's three packages that you can choose from. 
The first one, the slightly rowdy package, allows you to hear the podcast without all those pesky commercials getting in the way. For those who want a slightly more in-depth experience, there's the Stirring It Up package, where you can hear ad-free audio, ad-free video, and transcripts. Finally, for those who want to go full Renegade, that package is available too, where you can get everything in the previous two packages, plus an extra show where myself and Ben Winfield break down the news of the day from a very Mormon point of view. You will also get exclusive access to Renegade Chat, and on there you'll be able to talk to others about the show or whatever topics are on your mind. Go to Patreon today and get your exclusive content. And on the flip side of that, we're never going to edit people's submissions for content as long as it really adheres to, as we believe it, the concept of love one another. We're not trying to preach the restoration. We're just trying to make the views of restorationists known to each other around the world. So that's really what we don't want to do. We will never allow negativity to be a part. Uh, you know, one group criticizing another group, criticizing another group. Oh, your one-man rule will work. Council, you guys suck. We're not going to do or take part in that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know that's been a big goal of mine is to to stay away from the trash talking of other groups. I Doing this, I've had the, the opportunity and the blessing of meeting a lot of great people from a lot of different faith traditions within, within Mormonism, whether that's, you know, someone from an organized group, an independent, the LDS church, what, whatever the case is, I've, I've been blessed enough to, to hear that and, and, and see, just as you were saying, there's more there that unites us and separates us um, because it, if you get into that business of um, oh, bashing somebody else, it's not a good place to be, right? One is, is I think it shows that you're not really sold on your own theology. Two, what I'll say is that um, it fosters this 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 thing that happens where we cannibalize each other, and while we're arguing about the little stuff. Well, the adversary is lighting the house on fire. And so at some point, we're going to have to work together. We're going to have to reach across the spectrum and and pull folks who want to work together to establish Zion or any of those other things. We're going to have to pull them together. And that means that we have to first get to know each other in order to make this thing work. And that's that's really the that's really been an overarching um thrust of, of my podcast is being able to do that just facilitate some understanding more than anything else so i commend you guys for that um how do you see this for lds folks because because look here's the thing every once in a while you get an aberration of some guy who's a baptist who decides you know i, I think the mormon fundamentalists have this down but by and large the you know fundamentalists are coming out of the lds church and I've said for a while that I think we're on the eve, and I think right now morning might be breaking on a day when there's a mass exodus out of the LDS church. So how are you guys going to try to incorporate some of the incorporate some of this stuff for for mainstreamers? Can I can I jump in on this, Greg? Yeah, you, you take that one, Chad. Okay. <clears throat> the uh, our hope we we believe like you do that that's going to happen. Mainstream fundamentalism is going to be is right now. It's kind of in a larval stage, but it's growing. It's so, stop right there. Larger. Stop right there for a second, Chad. I'm going to ask you to explain what mainstream fundamentalism is. Okay. If we could go back, say two decades, three decades, in both of our lives, 
It's where you're sitting in a pew in a church that you've grown up in, that you love dearly, you know all your friends, and you know all of the rote routines. You know how to bear your testimony. You know about tithing settlements. You, you've been to the temple trips. You know what to say, what not to say. You know the triggers and the rest of it. And you're asking yourself repeatedly while you're sitting in that pew, what would Joseph Smith do if he was in this building? How would Brigham and his wives feel? Would they feel comfortable sitting down here right next to me? Because I do care about them. If John Taylor uh, were alive and here with us and and let's say representative of a, a just man made holy in the spirit and, and here, would he feel comfortable here or excluded? And why? And so as you start that process, you start believing certain things and your behaviors change and it, it becomes noticeable. Those are mainstream fundamentalist um, promptings. And there are ways and explanations. There are people who have been through it that can help explain it. Everything from interviews to how to treat people. What do you do when you get somebody who wants to bash those quote unquote really weird you know, people with all the stigmas having to do with all those terrible things that happen, you know, these these polygamists, this, that, and the other, giving us a black eye. When you're dealing with those conversations in the church and it's making your your you're starting your your blood's boiling, how do you deal with that kind of stuff? And ultimately, where is the safe landing? There's gonna be people, I, I believe this, it's not me prophesying, but there's gonna be people calling you on a phone or at least in an email saying, Okay, Dave been a faithful listener for three years um second counselor in the bishopric and i'm ready to dive in and you're going to be like man i'm an engineer i'm a lot of things but i'm not a therapist or are you going to step in and say i can help you bro this is the next step and i think that that's what's going to happen people like yourself maybe even ourselves but if we can bring the community together i think that it can help that process. Can I answer a, a question that you didn't really ask, but you alluded to as far as outcomes with this yeah. magazine? Yeah. Let me say one thing. I've already had those, those emails. I've already had some of those phone calls. Um, it's, it's well on the way. The other thing is I'm a land surveyor and not an engineer. Let's get that out of the way. Okay. All right. Engineers are horrible. You know, they, they do crap and then they make us engineers. <laughs> I misunderstood. Sorry. Sorry. I'll, so, I'll, yeah. I'll so let's, back let's not on, ever man. go there again. So other than that, I think you're a great guy. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I won't ever do that again. Nope. Land surveyor. I'm just got playing. It. I've just got like George Washington. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Well, we call Mount Rushmore the mountain with three surveyors and the other guy on it. So, there you go. But there you uh, go. anyway, go ahead, continue on. What what were you going to say? A question that I alluded to. So, so that you understand me, I believe religion is a very practical thing. I love the doctrines, and the doctrines get us close to divinity. But in one or two years, what are my outcomes? I would love for us to have fundamentalist rodeos. I would love for us to have barbecues and get-togethers the size of the Kingstons there on the 24th of July. I went to one where there were 5,000 people, 5,000 people walking around, some related, some, you know, there's distance in it, not an argument, no anger, no showing. It was, it was the most peaceful, serene thing. So what you read and what you understand aren't always topics of reality, but what if we could blend that in a non-aggressive non-grazing when i say grazing some of the churches think that you're coming to graze their their ladies and things like that i'm saying what if we could bring us together for these mutual activities either rodeos fairs or uh 24th of july 
meetings and have a level of comfort because I think in the times coming, I think that we're going to need to comfort one of one another. We're going to need to know one another. It's going to be more than just, hey, I met you at a really heady conference where we discussed the 1886 revelation that we all believe in. You know, it's going to have to be more than it's going to have to be Dave, bro, you know, somebody just fired me for being a uh, being a polygamist. It's like, you're kidding me, really? I know an attorney or, you know, those kind of practical things, you know, because yep. we're past that. We're, we're really past all that now. Well, stay tuned because I'm about to do an episode that covers just that. Okay. Um, uh, what, what do you, at the end of this, when your finished product, what does your finished product look like? Go ahead, Greg. Oh, so are you talking about the finished project product in terms of the online and the print magazine? Yeah, when 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 you get it off and running, what what how? I mean, do you have a number in mind about how many subscriptions yeah. you're going to have? Yeah. yeah so if, it, if it's a as we start the quarterly, I actually did some pricing. I did my little budget sheet spreadsheet the other day, and and we're looking. You know, I know that there's ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Uh, churchgoers and, and independents across the Mountain West, Canada, and Mexico, if not more, that aren't on the radar. But uh, I'm going to start out, we're going to start out very conservative, uh, probably about 200 physical print issues per quarter. But that's okay, because a print issue that goes out to a family of, say, 20, um, is going to stay on their, their living room table, and it's going to be a reference piece. And it's going to be something that they can hold on to and put in their bookshelf and hold on to for generations. And, and that's really what I want. That's, I think that's what Chad wants, too, is something that's physical. Because when the time comes, and I know it will come, that electromagnetic pulses are going off in the sky or other places, and we don't have internet, you're going to have that physical copy of something to look at. It's going to be sitting right there, maybe next to your scriptures, or it'll be somewhere close to your journal of discourses, so you can reach right out and grab it. Right. So it'll be it'll be a uh, it'll be a print magazine, uh, twenty four pages generally to start with, which is entirely affordable for Chad and I to eat the production cost easily with the money that we make without having advertising. Ultimately, we want to keep the subscription price low, and that's not decided yet. But also. Um, not necessarily have to rely on advertising. We don't want to make money in this. We don't, we're not doing this as a, as a sure. way of making a profit. We sure. want this just to go out. This is, this is a, a work for us. And uh, if there's more money that comes in, we pile that back into the finished product. But sure. the online will represent a digital copy of the, the print version. And essentially, I would take a model that comes from my experience in the news business is that the print object goes out first in the mail and then the next day or two it gets posted online so that folks who have a subscription they have a chance to get it first and then for everybody else in the world who's not paying for it or isn't a part of it or doesn't want it eh, they can go check it out gotcha and will all the like as you grow and there's more issues that are done will, will the old ones be archived and stuff Oh, absolutely. The uh, it, the blog actually functions as an automatic archive system. So everything that we ever do or is ever submitted to us that's put on the blog as it exists now will always exist. And then we're actually in the midst of getting a, a domain name. And then once that domain is created in conjunction with the magazine, all of these older 
articles that either Chad and I have written or that have been submitted during the existence of the blog will move over to the website and some may go, actually I can tell you all of them at this point, will go into the print version somewhere. Um, it may not be the first issue, they might be spread across four issues, but everything that's ever submitted will make it to the print and the online. Gotcha. Gotcha. And let, let me ask this question. As, as you've looked at the breadth of what it is you want to do, what kind of challenges do you expect to face or what challenges have you experienced so far in, in getting this bad boy up and running? I'll take that one, Chad, as well. Um, so I, I, I have a very long-term depth of experience with fundamentalist groups in Utah. I've, I've worked in journalism the majority of my career in Alaska and in Utah. And during my time in Utah, I lived in Invernal, and I lived in Moab, and I lived in Manti. And Manti was an experience. Uh, in Manti, I got to know three or four different groups and a few independents. And I, I know the culture. I, my first job ever as a TV reporter was covering Short Creek um, post Warren Jeff's arrest. So I got to know the community of Short Creek very well. And I know that there is a certain level of reticence on the part of some fundamentalists to come out of a shadow and to feel like they can speak freely, if not for doctrinal issues, because, of course, you've got your, your priesthood line of authority who has the authority to speak, but also just because of a distrust of the media, whether it be uh, faith-affirming or mainstream. There's just a distrust. So that's why I think the blog and getting the word out with you is so important is to, to show people and tell people this is not a threat. We are believers and we are like you. We just want to hear what you have to say. We want to create that dialogue. And so hopefully by doing that, it will overcome some of that um, some of that reticence of people to talk. And once once one or two or three people that are that are um, that have authority that speak with authority that speak in the spirit contribute to this. Even somebody like you, anybody that wants to contribute, it, people will see that and they'll know it's okay to to talk to us and that we're not going to change your message, we're not, not going to edit your message, we're going to let you say what you want to say. That I think is is my ultimate. That's my dream. That's my hope. If I could jump in, Dave. Yeah. So let's say we've got two options here. Let's let's take the positive one. Let's say this thing takes off. If it takes off, I've spoken to um, to Greg about approaching some of the groups and and leaders or varied um, people within the independent movement for purposes of counsel, for purposes of integration, for purposes of understanding, and also as as kind of um, guides saying, hey, this is an important thing to us. We have this little get together. We'd like to get this out, this message or this kind of thing out. But as it grows, I would like to make this a not for profit and bring in, um, you know, it, it would be a simple directorship. It wouldn't be a paid position or anything really heady or, or hard to do, but bring in those around the fundamentalist or covenant Mormon um, movement to help with this. And in the hopes of putting hands and hearts together, nobody that would, you know, would be strained or strange to other people, but would be able to look across and say, yes, I do think that we should have a community wide, a movement or 
uh, covenant Mormon wide fundamentalist wide 1886 um, Jubilee, uh, where we meet on September 26th and discuss this over three days at this civic center or this place here or out in a park or something, or the 24th, those types of things where we can really, really get potluck, potluck, excuse me, potluck style. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just that type of a understanding where we can just set, we, we can hold our keys as we like them, but we don't have to shake them in front of each other. We don't have to, we don't have to discourse or, or, you know, lecture each other on, on one man, you know, or uh, council driven and where we can just kind of ease into this and say, Hey, I know what you believe. You know what I believe. We know where the, the soft tender parts are, but let's just be, let's be there for each other when we need each other. That's the hope in, in two, three, four, five, ten 10 years. And, um, you know, I would ideally, I would like to see the real pros get involved, the ones that have been involved for, for decades or for a long time since birth, and really start to, to show the world, especially mainstream fundamentalists, those that are burgeoning, say, hey, this is who we are. This is what we always were. There's no difference between us, brother. We're like a dysfunctional family that really needs to get together for a, uh, for a family barbecue and just sit down and chat. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll second that, and I'll also add that I would love, let's talk about Canada. I'd love to be able to, if we were in a nonprofit mode, to be able to sponsor a J-1 visa for somebody to come down from British Columbia to intern, maybe for a summer. Uh, one of the youth or a teen or somebody in their 20s who had an interest in journalism or in writing or photography. I'd love that. And as a nonprofit, you can do those kind of things in the United States. So I'm going to ask a couple questions now that that are near and dear in my heart that that I've tried to incorporate into the podcast. And this first question comes from a position of having been there, much like the bo both of you have, with folks that are are going to be pulling that fundamentalist trigger, so to speak, and and jumping in. Have you thought about resources within the magazine to help them make that transition? Right. I mean historical stuff or stuff like okay this is what you can expect to encounter absolutely. here's some things to watch out for those sorts of things absolutely um so I, i'm gonna kind of let a cat out of the bag and then i'll i'll, I'll ask chad if he wants to chime in on because i'm sure he does on this the very first story the very first issue very first story that i want to publish is a story a faith-affirming story on the life of foreign woolly I want that to be the very first issue's very top story. Within, um, within the actual magazine or online itself, I, we foresee a chat function or a, a place where people can, can dialogue with one another. We also would, we would be morons not to include links to uh, the Journal of Discourses. We would include links to all of Ogden Kraut's books so we would want to have an online research library as a part of the website and, you know, maybe something in, in, a, in a block ad inside the print edition. But, of course, these things exist on the web. So having a link on the website where folks can do their own research without our interpretation, without our input. If folks want to go check out Brigham Young's sermons, by all means, we'll show you where to do it. If you want to go read Adam Michael by all means, go check it out. We'll give you a link. 
uh, we'll show you where you can buy these things. Uh, so it's a part of creating a community. So the answer, the short answer is yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. I can, I can answer too, if you'd like. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so you asked specifically, um, for resources or support for those that are transitioning over to, um, to fundamentalism, to covenant Mormonism. Um, yeah, that be is careful probably... with the word transition these days. Okay. Yeah. I forgot. We're living in a modern, sorry. I was being technical. <laughs> I'll say, uh, I'll say, how about I, I, I don't want to be mean because I, I do, I do appreciate the, the mainstream church for all the, the missionary work it's done, but, uh, we'll just say mature into, is that there bad? you go. <laughs> that'll work. That, that'll work. That's different. Yeah. But sure. Sorry about it. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll avoid transitioning. Maturing into uh, fundamentalist or uh, covenant Mormonism, for those that do it, there are heartaches involved. You know, these things, you know, mm -hmm. friendships, you know, you know, looking at a bishop who used to say, Hey, I just can't wait to play volleyball. Looking at you now, like, dude, you stay away from my kids or my daughter, you know, like, and it's like, look, all of that stigma and nonsense that doesn't really even exist. So, Yes, we do want to help out there. If things really, really take off, let's say shoot the moon that your 10,000 listeners instantly have to have the magazine just to know what's going on, we would open that up to an online forum. There would be a social media um, client in there. And I have talked to Greg and Greg and I have talked about this. We would want to segregate it and give uh, privacy controls for each group so that they feel comfortable there. So that they'd be able to talk to each other. So these are some of the ideas that can go down as if it gets really successful. But we're pretty humble in our in our aspirations. What we really see, we see a living room coffee um, pre presentation piece for for those Sunday evenings where you can talk about Thorn Woolley or um, or the 1886 Revelation or some of the other writings. You know, we see online so that you can go through and and check it out and and those types of things most of my articles will be helping those mainstream fundamentalists those with those leanings get through those first turbulent few months and i think a person like you would be ideal in helping that out because you go through emotions i mean there are some people that just can't keep it in they want to go in and they want to have it out with the stake president yesterday they, they they need to do it you know it's like i gotta schedule it up and I'm going to give them, you know, what for, and you got to help those people too. You know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's a handout for those that are ready to move up. Gotcha. Gotcha. Re real quick. Let me ask you this. And this one's a tougher question. And it's one that, that I definitely had a hard line on and I still do. <clears throat> and that is, as we know, as exhibited by Warren Jeffs, there is a darker side to fundamentalism, or there can be. Now, for 99.9% .9 of us, that's not the case. But you have to feel some responsibility with not giving too much platform to that, right? I mean, when you start talking about underage brides, when you start talking about abuse, have you guys thought much on that? I have thought I, I have thought extensively on it. Um, I've read extensively on it. I I can tell you, that's probably the first step that I made. Of course, because I worked at Channel Three down in St. George and had to go over to Short Creek so many times. I was exposed to it post Warren, and that was really the beginning for me. And so I dug into everything that I could ever find out about the 
times and troubles of Warren Jeffs and the LeBarons and the things that happened in the 1970s and the murder of Rulon Allred. These things are a part of our history. They're, they should not be a part of our present, as I believe, ever. Um, and so I, 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 I would look at it as these are things that can be addressed. Uh, they're not things that we should ever glorify. Um, we should never, ever glorify the blood atonement as practiced by the LeBaron clan in those days. Um, we should never, ever countenance the underage marriage. I, I'm, I'm a, I, just personally, I'm a firm believer that any marriage contracted civilly or celestially should be with a person of age uh, in their legal state. That's, that's a non-negotiable for me. And so, you know, personally, I, I wouldn't give much countenance to the darker side unless it can teach a lesson. Good. If I could jump in, if I could yeah. jump in too, I want to, I want to parrot what he's saying. Um, the thing that we're really hoping here, those, those things do exist. And I have articles prepared, uh, writings prepared on certain, when you, when you come to know people that are very experienced in fundamentalist um, Mormon type of behaviors and lifestyles that there's like a, um, it's like a diplomatic code book that they give diplomatic, they give diplomats certain like books to read when you go to a certain country, but mainstream fundamentalists, when they come into certain areas, there are certain things that are, that are no, no's or gauche. They're just like if I come to your house, say, and I, I ask you immediately in front of the ears of your, your wonderful family, how many wives do you have? That's gauche. I mean, if you're if you're talking and your friends that it's it's lighthearted stuff, it's not a these are questions we don't, you know, if you're going to somebody's house and and you're looking at their daughters and saying, Hey, she's 17, but when she's 19, boy, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this is not the way that we do these things. It's not done. And the mainstream fundamentalists need to understand how how these processes really work because they're going to stumble through it on the first few go rounds when they when they first meet. It's going to be it's going to be a stumble a stumbling period for them because they have a lot of stigmatization based on news articles and like you said there are there are bona fide examples of bad behavior you, you know underage brides. Um, those types of things that that uh, that cause trepidation and fear for those in the mainstream movement, they just they see you and they say, "Okay, is, is my 16 year old safe?" And you say, <laughs> you, you, "You need to you need to pickle in fundamentalism before your daughter, even at the age of 25 or 30, would be a real palatable interest to us because we're building a long term eternal perspective here." But they don't have that. They think that. They have thoughts that are a little bit juvenile. So, yeah, we, we do need to help the mainstream come in and have those. And we do need to uh, to ensure that once in a while when the when the wildcats flow by, flow by, because as a fundamentalist uh, periodical, you know, we're going to have submissions that are going to skirt that issue. And we're going to have to be able to say, hey, look, 18 consent is a bright line for us. Or, you know, he said the the law of each state, which is actually very legalistic i've taken a, a stance myself at 18 consent which is which is the cadillac gold standard but that again david like you know just because an 18 year old is standing in front of you doesn't mean she's spiritually morally or even 
intellectually prepared for plural uh, sisterhood in a in a marital situation. That it just the the age doesn't make them ready. What makes them ready is their readiness and their willingness to to love their heavenly father and want to become like heavenly mother. And so, yeah, we have to destigmatize it. We have to educate mainstream fundamentalists or those that are interested in coming in. And you know, long term, as much as I almost hate to say this, and it probably make you shudder, working at some point or another to help law enforcement to fully understand this is a religion. This isn't this isn't quackery. This has been around a lot longer than modern police law enforcement. You know, back when when you had sheriffs or even posses, we were doing this kind of stuff. This is a long term religious uh, lifestyle and it's here to stay. And so, you know, working with law enforcement as well, because the last thing we want is a Yahoo using our periodical or getting involved in the Covenant Mormon movement, you know, wanting to abuse in those kind of capacities. Right. Right. I, yeah, it, it, it's a fine it's line. For sure. oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. Just, just to reiterate what, what Chad said, you know, absolutely 18 is the, 18 years of age, an adult uh, with agency and with prayer. And <clears throat> I'm a firm believer that any young man, young one, or a 50 year old guy like me, that uh, if I was in a church, if I wanted to find a wife, that's a matter of prayer between you, God, your priesthood leadership. If you're in a church, that would be, I would go to my prophet and I would say, I think I'm ready. What do you think? Can we pray on this? And through the power of prayer and through the power of the priesthood, those answers will come. Um, that's just what I believe, and it's it's not something willy-nilly that should be done in in this beautiful, beautiful religion that we have. No, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And there's two things, right? One is, is I, it sounds like you guys have thought this through, which is good. Um, but the other thing is, and and Chad, you you brought you you mentioned this, is that I think us as fundamentalists are going to have to be a little bit patient with some of those folks coming out of the LDS church because they won't know the etiquette, right? They won't understand how things work. And so th there might be questions that we would find um, maybe offensive or intrusive that, that we're, we're going to have to find ways without alienating people of saying, okay, look, here's the deal. We don't do that. Right. <laughs> um, but it's it's going to have to be a lot of patience on our part and and showing some Christ-like love there to help these folks along because they won't know, right? Um, I I I remember having some of those same questions and and there's got to be a place where where folks can get kind of educated on that and then ask the questions that they shouldn't ask in somebody's house, right? Um, like how many wives do you have, sort of a thing, right? Um, but yeah, but and, and I think some of this too could could be remedied also by us as fundamentalists being a little more open too, right? Um, I have a good friend who's who's mainstream LDS and and uh he asked me once, he said, like, well, how many wives do you have? And I was like, eight. And he just kind of went silent and I was like, I'm just screwing with you. I only got two. But <laughs> we have to we have to be able to 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 broach this with with a little bit of of love and understanding from our end too because they won't know the etiquette right, right. um 
I think we take for granted sometimes. Oh, it's just common knowledge when it's only common to us. Right. The one, the one I, thing. I wanna, oh, sorry. Just I'm really gonna add one. I, I want to add one thing to your uh, your your statement of eight wives. I think Winston Blackmore said it best. He was interviewed by CBC uh, for their uh, weekly documentary show, and the host asked him directly to his face. So, how many wives do you have? And it struck my heart, and it, it stays with me every day. He's like, I have enough that I don't have to worry about anybody else. And I thought that was just the best answer ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. Winston's so awesome. I've never met the gentleman, but I sure hope to one day. So He's held together that community. I mean, our hope, the Cadillac for our, I mean, like I said, the gold standard for us is to have a city of Zion where we all practice these things. And I think that he's done an amazing, or they, I, I, he probably would be a little ashamed for me to say him. They've done a wonderful job, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I but hear if, nothing but good. If Winston is listening, Winston, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Winston, I'm just saying, if you got a hankering to speak into a mic, I can help. So. There you go. <laughs> but anyway, gentlemen, is, is there anything you wanted to get out there that we didn't cover? Let's get the uh, website and plug it, uh, uh, yeah. Greg, yeah. if you could tell them, and how to submit as well. Absolutely. Well, any, so, anything before that that I missed that oh, you guys oh, wanted to go over? Anything important that you feel like we didn't touch on here on this project? Well, you know, I, the, the only thing I, before we go to the, the web link and the email address is that I just want people to know that the magazine can't happen without contributors. Because no one wants to read what Chad and I write every month. No, we need more. We want church leaders. We want brethren. We want sisters, poets, musicians, subject matter experts, photographers, anything that's faith-affirming um, and that can be shared with others. Um, no screeds, no, no negativity, but just love one another, essentially. That's, that's the key for us because we want to unite and not divide. If I could jump in, I would just say this. Let's say some of the bigger assemblages, uh, AUB or even um, some of the FLDS or a large contingent of the independents, even out in Missouri, are listening. Our desire here is to – we want to reach out to each other and become each other's friends without acrimony or animosity. Now, understandably, where there have been splits in certain religions, there are some hard feelings we're not looking to agitate or foment. What we're trying to do is find a natural way for us to, to basically celebrate together our common belief systems without, without, without fear. We're trying to remove those shadows. We, we don't have to worry about federal boogeymen you know, coming in and putting us in jail. We don't have to worry about state or locals in a lot of these states. Um, doing this to us anymore and i think it's time for us to put our best leg forward i mean the sister wives program did a lot for our movement as far as like normalizing or habituating people to the notion of one man with a with a plural marriage and making it work in a modern day but people need to understand we have our orthodoxy we do have prairie dress wearing men wearing you know some of the older stuff but we also have, like yourself, we have very, very men of letters, you know, men of repute. We have, this is a very wide ranging. It's a doctrinal, it is a doctrinal lifestyle. 
So we want to put our best leg forward, not just for the mainstream Mormons, but also for, for Christians, non-Christians, and others that are looking to us. We want them to understand us the way we ought to be understood. And that's the purpose of this publication. If it blossoms out to a social media site and we have 15,000 people on on a daily basis visiting there like Facebook, we would hope that it would be a positive thing, you know, and, and I'm not a, I'm a realist. I understand that bad things happen, but bringing us together is the hope of this magazine. And my hope is to hand it over to a, to a council of people from many different other churches, a not-for-profit directorship so that we can get our word out to the mainstream because like you said, you're prognosticating it. I am too. The 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 mother church, the mainstream church, you're going to see an exodus. People are going to want to live like Joseph Smith. They're going to want to live like Brigham Young. Absolutely. So if someone wants to help out, how do they reach out to you guys? All right. Well, the first thing is folks should actually go check out the blog. And I'll, I'm sure you'll you'll include a link, but the blog is located. Yeah, great. Um, it's the fundamentalist online dot blogspot that's b l o g s p o t dot com the fundamentalist online dot blogspot dot com go check it out and then if you like what you read the way to reach us is fundamentalist mag that's m a g all one word at gmail dot com and that wrote Chad and myself and we'll see it the second you uh, send it over and that can include writing it can include photos. If there's music or audio involved, sure. And then we'll look at it. We also want folks to give us a way, if possible, beyond email to reach out back to them and say, hey, we got it. Um, this is great. Uh, or, okay, there's there's some things that are questionable, you know, just to talk about it, and we'll figure it out. But definitely, fundamentalist online, thefundamentalistonline.blogspot.com, and the email is fundamentalistmag at gmail.com. I awesome. thought of one other thing, David. I thought of yeah. one other thing. So um, you were you brought this up briefly, but it's true. Our fundamentalist nature leads a lot to word of mouth. We are like the old style Jews by comparison to modern. We do have our legalisms. We have our canonized scriptures. We have our journal of discourses. But when you, when I'm speaking now to the mainstream um, LDS, when you come among us, do not be surprised to have people talk about um, doctrine and, and discussions that happened a hundred years ago. And they'll act as though it happened yesterday, and these are close uncles. We do do that. We do use a lot of word of mouth, and uh, our testimonies are replete with stories and belief systems. And when you get that, it is very endearing. It's it's almost like the ancient primitive church. But we do also we do also have our our a movement afoot in our covenant Mormon you know, movement that, that is very legalistic as well. They want to go through the journal of discourses. They want to parse out and find it. You call it cracking the books. But when, when the mainstream does come with their, with their numbered um, scriptures and all of the, the citations and the rest of it, they're going to hear doctrines, important things. I want to bear my testimony and I want to take too much of your time doing it. But when you come to us, and you, you do have these discussions, you need to understand that Wilford Woodruff, when he did do what he called a manifesto, 
he would did not support it. That's why there was a second and even a third one in the uh, in the 1930s. My testimony is this. When you read Third Nephi 20 and 21, it talks about the Gentile church. It talks about the fullness of the gospel and when it gets taken from the Gentile church. It talks about the Lord turning his eyes back and reconstituting the Jews. I just want the mainstream LDS to know that these prophecies are real. In 1890 through 1893, the church gave up plural celestial marriage, the Council of 50 Kingdom of God, and the law of consecration on a church-wide basis. Within six months, the Dreyfus Affair occurred, and then Zionism under Theodore Herzl occurred. That was in 1894-95. That's when the, the movement to go back to Israel happened almost immediately. So when the fullness of the gospel, as we called it, was taken away from the mother church, the Lord did set about things in motion to turn his eyes to the reconstitution of the Jews. And these things are real. We're not playing at this religion. We are the religion. And we, we welcome you. We want you here. We are studied. We are knowledgeable. We know our scriptures, but you are going to hear stories upon stories upon stories about, oh, Brother Pratt said this, and, and President Taylor in 1886 in Centerville, and, and this. That's how we are. We, we are those types of people. Awesome. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Greg, anything else you want to add before we wrap up, man? I, I just want to give an applause for that. I agree. It's it, uh... It, it, you will hear things from the entirety of of the doctrine and of the church because that's who we are. Um, it the LDS Church didn't start in 1900. It didn't start in 1945. It came about in 1830 as a restoration, and we believe in living the fullness of of the gospel, and that's a beautiful thing. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, this has been a privilege. I, I appreciate the op opportunity to talk to you guys. I think it's an absolutely wonderful um, undertaking you've you've done here. Um, I'm I'm super excited to see to see it come come to fruition. Um, and uh, I tell everyone on this on the podcast that's been on here, and I I 100% mean it. Um, once you've been on here, you got a standing invitation to come back on anytime. So. As, as you guys continue to make headway, let me know. I'd be happy to, to help get the word out in any way I can. Um, I think it's a great thing you guys are doing, and I look forward to working with you in it. Thanks we are faithful you. listeners. We are faithful listeners to Renegade, uh, the Renegade Mormon podcast, and, and we appreciate, David, all that you do for our, uh, for our religion. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, David. All right. Yep. You hang around for just a few minutes here after we stop recording. All right. Yep. All right. Awesome. All right. See you everyone next time. Bye.